Welcome in to the Paul Kuharski Podcast. Excited to be here to talk Titans with you as they head into their season finale. I'm part of the 440 Network, sponsored by Zen Sports and Jaspers. Going to talk to you about Mike Vrabel's intentions, Derek Henry's meaning to the organization, and grit in pass blocking. And away we go. So ESPN and the Washington Post and Chad Forbes, the latest to jump on the train of what's been a persistent story this year that Mike Vrabel and Rand Carthon aren't getting along and that Mike Vrabel might want out. Everybody's saying this to varying degrees. Uh, It's echoing stuff that we've heard before. Vrabel addressed it on Wednesday. Here's the way the question was posed. It was posed, does he need to address it with the team, with his players, Here's what he said to that. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't. I don't because, again, if we believed everything that was on social media, you know, it would be Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and the No Tooth Fairy and all that. So um, I, I really um, have never responded to any of those, and we're not going to start now. Uh, I, I, I know where we're at as, a, as an organization. I'm excited to, um, to to build this thing and to fix this thing and and, and get it uh, to where we want it to be, to, to win championships with Rick Moran and Chad and A-Rob and a coaching staff and, and everybody. And that's that's what our goal is. So, um, but but no, the, the social media and, and where that is, I, I, I can't focus on that. So now he's in the middle of a Santa Claus isn't real scandal and parents all over middle Tennessee are condemning him for denying the existence of Santa and the Easter bunny and the tooth fairy. Uh, No, a a good take on there to start with. Um, What else is he going to say? Then he was asked if he wants to be here next year, to which he said, of course I want to be here next year. And he said that with some enthusiasm. I'll be here as long as we can win and as long as we can do this thing. It's been great, but it's also been just frustrating this year. Nobody wants to be where you're at. You feel for the players, having been in having been in that situation, these guys are out there selling out. You feel for them when you look out there on the field and we're not winning. Now, you can always parse these kind of things, right? Look for a hole in them. So uh, I'll be here as long as we can win and as long as we can do this thing. Um, He wants to be here as long as they can win. So if you wanted to chip a hole in it or if things come apart somehow next week, um, you know, he can go back or we can go back and you can say, well, did he feel like they were capable of digging out of the roster trouble, even with their cap money and draft picks with this collaborative setup that he has with Rand Carthon that was thrust upon him um, by Amy Adams Strunk. I suspect he's not thrilled with Carthon, but I don't believe his relationship with Carthon is nearly as bad as people are being led to believe by these reports, which may be some guys kind of picking up on each other's reports. They may be all hearing the same initial thing that the other guy heard but then they hear it and they think, well, I can amplify that and I can amplify that and I can amplify that. We go round and round and it's all maybe one thing, maybe the first thing 
there's some credible people um, involved in this. I'm not willing to totally dismiss it, but I, I don't think that it mandates a divorce. I don't think that Vrabel wants total control. That's a big job to be coach and uh, head of personnel or basically dictating personnel. Um, and I, I tweeted Wednesday morning after discussing Chad Forbes's tweets on the game on Robbie and Rex Road that I needed more solid reporting to buy what he was saying, that Vrabel's making a play for total control or, and that he wanted out. I don't think you could say both. You could say one or the other. He's making a play for total control or or he wants out. Since then, I've investigated Forbes a little bit more. Uh, I, I've known Forbes, quote unquote, DM'd with him uh, some o- over the years, but I don't know that much about him. Um, like, like a lot of these internet guys who aren't on a front-facing uh, broadcast platform, um, and I, I don't know that he's at the combine or the owners meetings or things like that. If he is, he doesn't have a very, um, he's not, he's not very visible. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, I had a way of testing out another piece of information that he, uh, had and it failed. So my arrow is down on Chad Forbes. I do think it's viable, completely viable, that the NFL nudged Amy Adams Strunk towards Rand Carthon in her hiring process last year. I do think it's exceptionally viable that she was nudgeable. Who was a football advisor for her last year besides Vrabel, who she seemed not to give much influence to during the process? Ryan Cowden, who she raved about, was a candidate for the job. And you knew when he didn't get the job that he was going to leave, but he certainly wasn't counseling her on a general manager selection when he was a candidate. Monty Asenfort was a candidate and he quickly left for Arizona. So who were her top football people then? There's nobody of, of any ranking significance in the front office. Um, team president, not to begrudge Burke Nile of anything, but he's not a, a football guy, had not been involved in a process like that before. Um, so maybe this leads to a separation. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know. I think it's dangerous, you know, not not like the world's going to collapse or anything, but it's dangerous for people to pretend that they know. The optics of moving on from Carthon after one year we know would be horrible. If the NFL helped him get hired, um, it could help him keep him hired, certainly. And ownership's not going to take the, the, the bad optics that come with that moving on and all that would come with it. So I don't think there's I, – I don't see any scenario – where Carthon isn't a part of things moving forward. And I don't, I, I, I'm not a big fan so far, though the early draft picks were good, but I, I don't see a scenario where he doesn't deserve uh, to, to be back. Here's what, here's what I think needs to happen. Um, Amy Adams Strunk needs to sit down with her coach and her GM early next week. And she needs to act as a relationship counselor. 
She needs to direct this collaboration that she created. She needs to reset the entire operation in a aggressive fashion. She needs to get them back to work. She needs to check back with them in six weeks, expecting a positive progress report about how the collaboration is going after the big reset. That's it. That's the logical solution here. I don't think that she should be moving on from Mike Vrabel. The organization needs uh, steadiness and stability. Will Levis needs steadiness and stability. I think uh, maybe some, some changes on Mike Vrabel's staff are certainly in order, and she can uh, nudge for those. And I think he probably knows that, that some of that is necessary. Then, after this meeting and this reset, the two of them need to become obsessed with stacking the left tackles at the top of the draft with finding the gems of free agency at the rest of the positions along the offensive line, um, at receiver, at cornerback, everywhere, really. Because it's hard to name a spot where the Tennessee Titans do not need help. Get the coach-GM relationship repaired if it needs repair, and get about the four, far more important job of repairing a terrible roster. That's how it has to go and get about it fast. Get the, get the nonsense over with and get about the real business at hand. Simple as that. I think I'm sponsored by Zen sports. If you go to Zen sports and download the app, put in the code TN Paul and uh, bet $10. Boom. You get a free membership to paulkuharski.com. It's coming up. It's going to be some valuable info there, insight. I talk to people that other people don't talk to, don't even know them. Um, and if there is some kind of coaching thing brewing or coaching changes or stuff, um, you know, the, the reaction to what's going on is going to be primo here. Um, so you want to be a part of that. That's the easy way to get a membership. You can make a $1,000 no danger wager also. So if your first bet's that $1,000, Risk-free, pretty much. You could bankroll your account with a big win, plus 500 or lower bet. And if you lose, you get the money right back, and uh, you, you took a stab at it. You went for it. It's great. Um, Zen Sports is a great place to, to make your wagers. I'm going to give you a parlay for the second week in a row. Came up one game short last week. Was right there, though. But here's what you should do this week. Houston giving one and a half at Indianapolis. Houston's better football team than Indy. Uh, Indy's well coached, but Houston's more talented. I'm not one that makes bets on Titans games, but I don't think it's hard for you to presume that the Titans are going to lose by more than five and a half points on Sunday to the Jaguars. The roster differential is just too significant there. Buffalo money line at Miami. That adds up, if you can believe it, to plus 439. I, I think you're going to like that. Houston, minus one and a half. Jacksonville, minus five and a half. Buffalo, money line. Boom. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. You must be 21 and over or over and in Tennessee to bet. Thank you. I want to talk about Derrick Henry. 
as we know, this could be Derrick Henry's final game in a Titans uniform. Let's not get into whether it will be or not. Let's just go into the weekend thinking, you know, you got to pretend it is, right? In case it is, you have to presume it is. I think they'll introduce the offense for sure. I think you should give them a rousing ovation if you're part of whatever crowd there is at Nissan Stadium. Uh, you know, sad occasion, sentimental occasion if this is his last game. Um, is he the most meaningful Titan in the Titan era? Uh, kind of mulling this question. We kind of touched on it on, on the radio on Wednesday morning. And I know it's awfully hard to displace Steve McNair or Eddie George for a lot of people, but let's run through a few categories on, on Derrick Henry. Uh, what kind of athlete was he? I, I, I think he's arguably the best athlete the Titans have ever had. Javon Curse, you know, you can make an argument. Javon Curse is the best athlete they, they've ever had. Then Henry, to me, would probably be second. Uh, height, weight, speed, strength, durability. He's been off the charts, Derrick Henry. Production. His four best years, 2019 through 2022, he averaged per game 109.9 rushing yards. So 110 rushing yards a game, a touchdown a game, and 4.8 yards per carry. That's pretty spectacular. Chris Johnson, I looked at his four best uh seasons for comparison go rushing and receiving for him yards per game 110.3 so less than a yard better but uh touchdowns and uh this is also from scrimmage 0.59 so he's not close to Derek in touchdowns and and then your uh ground yardage 4.7 yard average so interesting comparison there but henry's four best years 19 through 22 110 yards a game on the ground, a touchdown a game, and 4.8 yards per carry. That's pretty spectacular. Leadership. Look, everybody talks about Steve McNair's toughness being unmatched, and that's unquestionable that Steve McNair was a tough, tough human being and football player. But taking the hits from 2,166 touches the way that Derrick Henry has and suffering only one significant injury, um, is also a remarkable feat. And there's a toughness in, in not taking the injuries that Steve McNair did and being able to withstand the hits uh, of a running back and play all of that time. Eddie George had that uh, as well until the end with his toe problem. Eddie George's fiery leadership was, uh, you know, an, an incredible characteristic. Derek, very low key. Uh, lead by example, and I think it puts him right there with those other two guys as well. Team first, you know, something that the Mike Vrabel Titans have preached unquestionably. Derrick Henry fits that, as did George and McNair. Loves ball unquestionably, and McNair and George fit that too. I think you can make a case for each of the three personal preference kind of deal. I watched him during warmups in Houston, kind of standing right behind the goalpost and the running backs take handoffs and pitches from the quarterbacks and run out of the end zone. And I was being a little sentimental. That's probably the last time I get close to him. We're not on the field at, at Nissan stadium. So it's probably the last time if this is his last game 
last season that I get that close to him. And I kind of reminded myself, you know, when you cover a football team, you're around these big guys all the time, right? And you kind of get used to their size, like you get used to anything. And once in a while, somebody comes in like for a training camp practice or something and marvels at their size and you're reminded, yeah, yeah, these guys are incredibly big. You know, we see the first uh, or kid with the wonder of seeing them for the first time and, and you're, you're reminded that's, that's, you know, crazy. So I was kind of reminding myself, you know, when you talk about Derrick Henry with people, remember to remind them about his otherworldly size. And it's not just that he's 6'3 and 247 is what he's listed at officially, you know, but he's built like a cartoon character. He's V'd, V'd up in that way. You know, the shoulders are so wide, waist narrow, and then he, the legs are, are so wide again. It's just uh, something none of us should have gotten used to because he's so incomparable in terms of what he looks like there. The league has grown also just a tremendous, tremendous amount since 20, 2003, which was Eddie's last year in Tennessee, and 2005, which was Steve's last year with the Titans. They have that Super Bowl that, that Henry doesn't. He might be, he might be back. He might get it. Things might still change. But at this point, um, you know, George and McNair also had each other. And Derrick Henry hasn't really had anybody. He had A.J. Brown for a little while. Um, but he's kind of been uh, on his own as a singular figure and a singular face of the franchise for, for a decent share of his time. And I think that kind of – scores in his favor and that's not anybody's doing really if i'm forced to answer my question here maybe i wouldn't call him the most meaningful titan but i think i'm going to call him the most impactful over a long period of time i mean javon curses again you know it's hard not to go back to curse and that rookie year was uh, an incredible thing but derrick henry over a longer period of time i think you've got to call him the most impactful titan um, that we've seen, and that's something to uh, be sentimental about this weekend in case he's not around again. And uh, it's hard not to mention Ryan Tannehill because Ryan Tannehill's certain, certain to not be back. This is his last game. We don't know if he's going to play or not because we don't know about Will Levis's foot, which kept him out of practice Wednesday. From uh, when he took over in 2019 through 2021, the Titans in the regular season were 30 and 13 with Ryan Tannehill as their starting quarterback. You don't want to make too much out of a quarterback's win loss record. Quarterback wins are not a real stat, but what a team does with the quarterback at the helm is, is still noteworthy. And they played some wonderful football with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback with an offense that was tailored to him. And I never understood why he got bashed for that. Well, Tannehill, you know, is only good in the play action game and with, and with Derrick Henry running well. This was a good thing. Ryan Tannehill never claimed to be anything that he wasn't. And the Titans put him in the most favorable circumstances for him to excel, which is exactly what a coaching staff should do, which is what we say all the time coaches should do. 
put a guy in the most favorable situation for him to make the most out of what he is. The Titans did that with Ryan Tannehill. Um, and up until that playoff game against Cincinnati, which was obviously a, a terrible game for him and for the team and for the city, they were set up for such success there and came up short. But he played terrific quarterback for the Titans for a good stretch there, a glorious stretch for this era of Titans football. And he deserves a lot of credit. He's been a classy guy and a good guy. And let's just say, there was a dozen quarterback stretch of guys who played between Steve McNair and Ryan Tannehill that was largely a wasteland. It had some good moments for sure. Vince Young's rookie of the year season was good. Billy Volek went crazy for a while. Marcus Mariota gave the fan base hope. But I'm going to list these guys, and you're going to cringe a lot more than you're going to smile. Going from Billy Volek to Vince Young, to Kerry Collins, to Rusty Smith, Matt Hasselback, um, Ryan Fitz, Fitzpatrick, Jake Locker, Charlie Whitehurst, um, Zach Mettenberger, um, Castle, Matt Castle, Matt Castle <clears throat> Blaine Gabbert, Marcus Mariota. Those are the guys that were sandwiched between Steve McNair and the second-best quarterback of the Titans era, unquestionably. Uh, unquestionably, Ryan Tannehill. And so <clears throat> when you're giving big shout-outs to, um, to Derrick Henry on Sunday, you should, you should follow right after that to Ryan Tannehill. If he's playing and gets introduced um, or uh, if, if, um, if he's not playing and he's serving as, uh, as the backup, find a way to pay some tribute to Ryan Tannehill too. I know you didn't like the ending. And I know he's not been good at the end, but those prime uh, prime periods, he was he was damn good, and he gets underrated. I'm also sponsored by Jasper's, which is a fantastic restaurant and place to have drinks on West End. That's at 1918 West End. You can park there for free, which is terrific. You can play a bunch of games while you wait for food, wait to order, wait on a table, whatever. Pop a shot, ski, ski ball, <clears throat> a bunch of other stuff. I'm having a throat issue all of a sudden. I watered up. Should be better. Um, so great menu, great uh, beers, great cocktails, um, great service, friendly, uh, efficient, tip-worthy. been having discussions about tips lately. You're not going to have a problem judging the people at Jasper's worthy of a tip. Um, you can go there on a business lunch. You can go there on a dinner date. You can go there as a family dinner. It's a versatile place that I highly recommend. And I just discovered this on their website, Friday through Monday brunch from 11 AM to 2 PM. I'm going to have to check that out. I'm a big brunch guy. So all of this I know sounds perfect for you and you should get over there and check it out. Um, I wanted to finish up with, with this, and I, I was just thinking about this. I should have done this earlier in the season. <clears throat> Grit in the pass protection game. Um, I'm late to the idea, but the Titans clearly lack skill um, on the offensive line in pass protection at a lot of positions on a lot of snaps. So I was, I was wondering how much should they be able to get to a reasonable degree on want to and determination? 
Um, I started the camera a touch late here on Mike Vrabel. So the beginning of this answer was certainly guts and hustle can go a long hustle, way. Uh, can, can go a long way. Um, you know, it's like pitching. You know, I watch a lot of guys pitch, you know, Carter plays baseball. So I always try to equate some of that stuff that I see, whether that's a pass rusher or a DB, a wide receiver, or in your question, an offensive lineman, is what what different pitch can you throw? You can't get guys out throwing 86 anymore, so you're going to have to be able to, to throw different pitches. You know, if a pass rusher has some speed to power, where they use a certain move, a freeze move, long arm, whatever that may be, you have to be able to, to change things up. And I think that's that's always a way um, when, when you're in, you know, by knowing your opponent and knowing what they do uh, and how you can kind of, you know, whether you, you short set them, flash hands, just all the different techniques that, that we talk about. How do you think the guys have done it kind of? Well, none of us have none of us, you know, starting with me. You, know, you can ask me how we've done. None of us have done uh, well enough throughout the season, and that's why we continue to practice and continue to work. Um, you know, I think sometimes in the game, you know, you, you practice and you have to be able to see that in live reps and uh, have that translate. That's why that's so critical to, to having those small victories and improvement that we talked about yesterday and developing players and developing uh, units. So it's a much different pace in, in practice. It's a different player doing it in practice that you're going against. So, you know, you have to be able to do some of those things that has to translate to the game. And, and once you can do that, then you can start to understand, okay, this is, how I have to approach it. This is the technique I need to use. This is the change up off of that. Daniel Brunskill's been at right guard uh, when physically able this season. And um, he's a likable guy and he's a good talker. And so I went to him with, with this about, you know, what can you do <clears throat> when you're overmatched on skill in terms of uh, – you know, just kind of uh, de with determination um, as an offensive lineman, staying in somebody's way long enough to let a let a play happen. And he was great here, I thought, because he he didn't come to say, you know, he didn't pretend like, you know, hey, I I do have the skill set against some of these more dominant interior rushers. He went right to his experience as a San Francisco 49er going against Aaron Donald the best defensive interior player of, you know, a generation plus, uh, you know, who's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. So here's Daniel Brunskill on, you know, kind of how you get yourself ready for a matchup like that and what your intention is and how you, you battle to, to compete knowing you don't have the skill set that matches. I mean, at the end of the day, like, guys that, you know, you can, you can get those guys tired and stuff and you can just work uh, work harder, um, that helps a lot. I think that that's definitely big. Um, but there's a lot of factors that go into that. When you play guys, uh, like when I played Aaron Donald and stuff, you know, with him being, you know, one of the more premier interior pass rushers, I mean, there's so much that goes into it, whether it's game plan, um, I think during that week, you just got like a heightened focus a little bit because I noticed every every time we played that, like 
Aaron Donald week, you're always like kind of your focus goes up and you're really locked in on keys, hand placement and, and feet and stuff. So it helps you that way. Um, and then at the end of the day, it's battling your butt off. So like, I mean, whatever call is called, you, know, you got to go out there and battle and you're going to get one-on-one -on -one situations. And it's a, it's a great opportunity to really help guys like in their careers going against guys like that. So then, you know, the more you do well like that, it's, um, you just just want to battle everything you can and get after those guys. How'd you do against him? Um, I've done fairly well in my career so far, um, but at the same time, like I said, it, it came down to game plan. It came down to the guys next to me. Like whenever they had an opportunity to help, they came and helped. Um, and then, you know, just uh, guys on the outside, playmakers getting open. Um, when we did have opportunities where you one-on-one, -on -one, because at the same time, Rams know that, you know, you're trying to game plan against Aaron Donald. So uh, they're going to bring blitzes to make sure that they can get one-on-ones. What does that do? That opens up the back end. Now you got a receiver one-on-one -on -one versus a DB. And, um, I mean, there's been plenty of plays. I remember where D.O. beats somebody on a slant. He takes it to the house. You can really make defenses pay for trying to, you know, single up a guy like that. And uh, and so, I mean, um, it's a, it's in, in everything in football, it's 11 guys that, you know, that make the play happen. And because, you know, you got a quarterback that knows, hey, i got to get the ball out a little bit faster with premier pass rushers like that. You know, you have receivers that know, like, hey, i got to get open. I have to win right now to help my guys out. And then they do that. And then, you know, it takes offensive linemen like, hey, i got to do everything to give them that split second that I can to make those big plays. Because if you can, you'll have giant plays down the field. And so um, I think it, it's just everybody working together. Hey, we talked uh, a little bit about the end of the season, sentimentality connected to this game pertaining to Henry and Tannehill. There's another group of you I know that have cause to be sentimental this weekend, and that's tailgaters because uh, the parking lots on the east side of, uh, of the stadium are, are going to be gone now because the new stadium is going to be uh, – new stadium construction is going to be underway. And so I've got a story coming out Friday. I hope you'll look for it, kind of saluting all of you and telling some stories uh, from those parking lots, people who've been there since 1999 uh, every, every game day having a big time that's been as much a part of your Titans fandom as, as the games themselves. I feel badly for you knowing um, what's ahead um, because it's not just during construction, but uh, it's going to be a whole new world um, when the new stadium's up and the parking is way, way down. So uh, cheers to, to you as you uh, have your last big tailgate at Nissan Stadium as we know it. I, I hope the weather is great and that you have a big time and that from 8 in the morning till 11.30 goes super slow so that you have a great time. I appreciate all of you joining me. Uh, remember to head to Zen Sports. Use TN Paul as your code when you sign up. Head to Jasper's on West End for great food. And as I always tell you, don't block the box, but be sure, please, please, to lock your locks.